Hi, guys. Welcome back to Shades of Brilliance. I'm your host, Sierra Venable, and I have an incredible guest here today. Every guest that I have is incredible because they're vetted by my authentic powers. And today we have Imani Baptiste. She is a model in the industry in LA. She's an aspiring actor. She's in digital marketing. I mean, she really does touch a lot of different corners of this industry. And I like that she's an on-camera talent. I've been thinking a lot lately about doing more things on camera. I feel like it's fun to be behind the scenes. It's fun to concept and create, but she does both. And I feel like it's really cool to have somebody on that can defy this rule in the industry that you have to choose between on camera or behind the scenes. Um, She's incredible. She's a Virgo, just like me. She's an incredibly beautiful black woman, a native New Yorker. Like she just has so many things going for her in terms of personality and integrity. So I cannot wait for you to hear that today. We go into a lot of different topics. We talk about black culture, about you know, growing up experiences with our hair, experiences that have translated over into the industries that we're in. So a lot, a lot of good stuff for everybody to hear. And I think what you'll learn from her is how to stand up for yourself. So without further ado, Amani Baptiste. Hi, Amani. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, just rocking and rolling always. Right. Exactly. That's all we can do. (laughs) Yes. So I'm really excited you're here. I was like, I have to have her. I feel like every time I see you, there's just more and more success. Like you, you, yeah, you level up all the time. And I'm like, we need more like confident, just super amazing black women on Shades of Brilliance. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I feel like that's like literally for all of us, like all of the black women at FitUp. Yeah had to deal with what we were dealing with. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And I think we should talk about that. Like we met at BSU. Do you remember yes. that? Yes, we did. We did meet at BSU. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're secretly gagging because it was such an interesting experience. And if you're unfamiliar, BSU is Black Student Union. And to be in a Black Student Union at a predominantly like white university, a private school is just a completely different out-of-body experience. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very much one for the books. I feel like each book is different um, and yeah. any kind of that setting, but very mm-hmm. much like something that just takes a toll on you. I feel like at least for me, it definitely took a toll and I was like, yeah, but for very, sure. you know, thankful to me. I've met you and everything. Right. You know, love. <laughs> right. Well, and that was the thing. Like, I was so grateful to meet everybody that I met. It wasn't the people. Right. It was just the organization and all of these pitfalls around just like letting us be. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was just such an icky feeling. So I think a lot of drama came up and it was just it like yeah. pushed us away from each other, which really sucked. Right. I know. Yeah. I feel like it shouldn't. I feel like that's a place of like everything, honestly, for us to really connect even more. Mm -hmm. And like, it definitely did bring, I feel like a lot of drama or like some little, you know, a little, a little feelings, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like after growing and like graduating and kind of thinking about that, it's like, okay, I mean, sometimes things happen for a reason, you know? And it's like, if they want to keep on going on with it, honestly, I just can't wait to see what they do with it to see if it really like excels more and everything. Cause that's what we wanted at the end of the day, you know? Right. And I think it's hard because in so many like black spaces, we're just so heavily monitored, 
You know, yeah. it's like, okay, we, we'll, we'll give you the black president. We'll give you right. these things, but you have to be monitored right. by us. And it's like, this is the problem. <laughs> like, right. Very much. Very much. Like, it's like, well, why can't we be free and like actually right. say what we want to say and feel safe doing that, you know? Right. I was about to say, armies must be free. <laughs> right. Like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Please. So going to a big fashion school in LA was one thing. I feel like there's a lot of dynamics with that. And then also it being a predominantly white school. I mean, that comes with a whole other host of microaggressions and things that I feel like you and I know all too well. Yeah, very much. It was like, I don't know. I feel like for me, when I was growing up, I went to a predominantly white school as well. And I feel like with okay. them, it kind of very much reminded me of it in a way, just more intense, I'd say. Yeah, for <laughs> but sure. Well, that's how college yeah. is, you know, it's, yeah. it's the more intense version of the school system. Right. So it's great in exactly. a lot of ways. It's also like, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like it was just kind of a lot dealing with the microaggressions and just also kind of finding myself in LA in general. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've never really traveled like that when I was younger. So it was more like, oh, I'm staying on the East Coast, all of that. And mm-hmm. one day it kind of just clicked for me to be like, oh, I want to go to LA and I want to yeah. like live my dream there and I want to model and I want to just do big things and all yes. of that. And I kind of took that jump, you know? Yes. Well, that's what I want to ask you about. First off, what is it like to grow up in New York? You grew up in New York, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I'm like, yes. did I just, no, I know that that's true. I don't know why I'm second guessing myself. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like for growing up in the suburbs, that's every like black kid's dream is to secretly oh, grow up in the city where you're just like around your own people. Right. Or just more diversity in general. So I'm like, yeah. she's from New York. <laughs> Love. No, literally, I would ask the same thing, honestly, to you too, in terms of suburbs. But um, yeah. in terms of New York, it was, it was fun. It was very much like, very free. I feel like all of the kids just growing up, everyone's taking the subway by themselves. Yeah, I didn't until yep. I was twelve because I got my strict mom. But you know, right? <laughs> you know, well, it's we're scary. All I mean, subway. I don't blame her. Yeah, yeah, very much. It's very much just like I feel like you're growing up with street smart a lot of the time, even yes. if you're not even just on the street. You just like always have to be aware. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. really one thing that I gathered from just like being from New York a lot, just being very aware and trusting my intuition because. I don't know. I feel like you need to do that a lot and just there and like the city and like really be yeah. on your A1 and A game and mm-hmm. like, like know who's around you and all of that. But I feel like in terms of vibes and everything too, I just loved it. I felt like it was so genuine and I have the genuine people that I have around me still in New York. I think the only thing would be like in the school kind of environment, it was a lot. Definitely like, you know, some microaggressions in there too. Right. Did you grow up in the city and your school was in the city as well? So I grew up in Brooklyn, Flatbush. Okay. Um, and oh, then okay. I commuted to school. I commuted to the city. So I would, it would okay, be like a 45 wow. minute train ride. Not too bad, but wow. yeah. Yeah. So you were like much. full on, like that was a huge thing for me in LA was like, oh my God, I'm going to take the train by myself. And the right. train system, I will say in LA is not good. No, <laughs> it's, it's not very like East not. Coast. It's very, but I feel like, no to hear that somebody was just adulting so young not even adulting like to me that's adulting like the scariness of getting on the train navigating the whole system like I literally can't imagine doing that in high school I couldn't have done it I know I feel like definitely that kind of puts into my anxiety too where it was like oh I'm not really doing this like as all the other kids are like am I not Mm. ready or does like my mom not think I'm ready but I think it was just Mm -hmm. really more of like being kind of sheltered too like 
which I appreciate. Mm. Like my mom, I'm an only child. So I feel like, girl, me too. like, yeah, girl. Yeah. So it was very <laughs> like my mom being like, girl, where are you going? Like, mm-hmm. I need to know what time exactly you're going and exactly what time you're coming back. Um, and right. like what train you're taking when you're getting on the train, like all kind of that. But mm-hmm. I definitely understand now. I feel like as a kid, you were like, oh, mom, yeah. like leave me alone. But it's like, yeah, no, I understand. New York is dangerous. New York is dangerous. Right. When I feel like it's also, when I think about it, I think of like Gossip Girl. Like that's my closest connection Please. literally to like a young high school kid, like getting on. Well, I guess they didn't take the train. They were too rich for the train. <laughs> right. They were too rich. Right. <laughs> but I feel like, I don't know. It just, all of that like freedom, like that independence. I feel like mm-hmm. kids in the suburbs crave that. And so that's when we get a car. That's when we get, you know, learn how to drive and all of those things. So I guess it is the same, like developmental process where you just want to be free and you want to commute and do things on your own. Right. Very much. I agree. Yeah. But oh my gosh. And about you being an only child, me too. Right. Like that's a special kind of club. Are you very existential? Like, do you have this kind of sense of like, it's only me? Like, what am I going to do? Honestly, like, I don't know. I feel like whenever I would hear people talking about, oh, you're an only child, I'd be like, girl, what do you mm-hmm. mean by that? Because for right. me, I was chilling. I was chilling. Right. I didn't need a bunch of like toys or all of that. I mean, definitely my like my mom definitely got me toys and all of that. And like I appreciate all of that she's like gotten me and everything. But I feel like she taught me to really just accept what you have. And that's kind of like how I grew up where it's like, I mean, girl, like, I don't need that toy. Like, it's okay. Like, I don't need Mm -hmm. that or I don't need Santa to get me that this year. Like, it was very much like I had that relationship with my mom where we would play when she gets off of work or like when my grandma picks me up, we were just going to play together. Like, I don't know. It was just so different to now where it's like I would play with my Polly Pockets like all day long and be content where now it's like, girl, I'm scrolling on TikTok all day long. (laughs) Like, and not right. Right. But I'm the same way. Like I never, I mean, without having siblings, it's, there's no sense of what life would be like with them. Right. So you just adjust like just like with anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I I get the same thing. Oh God, you're an only child. Like as if that means something. And maybe it's because we're black that we just had moms that were more conscious of like the world and Mm -hmm. wouldn't let us become, you know, certain types of ways. But that whole thing about like, oh, you're so spoiled. Like, I mean, okay. <laughs> right. Like you're like, okay, and what about I like <laughs> right? Like I had I had all the attention, but I do feel like what I always tell to people is it is a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. we're kind of like the first children, like the oldest daughters in a way, because right. we were the first and the only. So we had a lot of that same, like our parents were in the trial and error phase of their parenting. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I had the same thing. Mom was super strict and would be like no, you can't do that. Like I, I had to wait like super last minute to get my driver's license to learn how to drive. Oh my All God. my friends, the second they could, their parents were like, get out. Like I have eight more of you. I just want one of you to be on your own, like driving. And I was yeah. like getting carpooled everywhere because mom was like, you're not ready yet. <laughs> Please. It'd be like that. It really, it do. really does. Um, I was going to ask, so I have a lot of questions about New York yes. and one of them is what are your thoughts on the glamorization of the city? Because there's a lot of theories right now about how all the influencers got their start in LA. They over glamorized LA and this like, I don't know, I guess in like the West parts of LA, like it's not the true mm. Los Angeles culture when you think about right. like Air One and like, all of these like influencer type of hyped things. Yeah. And now the theory is that they've, then now they're all in New York 
And they're just doing the same kind of gentrification process in New York culturally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like honestly, like ever since I got to LA and kind of just realizing that I myself probably like glamorize it too, just from watching TV and stuff. I was like, okay, so it's not very much like that. But I feel like with New York, it's, it's, it's weird in a way and scary that it's like, okay, so many people who aren't from New York are coming here and it's kind of like changing the vibe a little bit and change Mm -hmm. is different and that's okay. But I feel like when it comes to the, like, I don't know, there's genuine vibes and like authenticity of New York, that's where it's like, that needs to stay. And like, I would be so heartbroken if that's just gone all of a sudden, like mm-hmm. a sense of community, like yes. everyone's fast paced and on the go. And it's not like we're stopping to say good morning on the street, but right. it's very much like everyone knows what they're doing in terms of like, girl, we have a mission. You know what I mean? We're on the right. go, but it's also like respect in that way. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like when people glamorize it being like, oh my God, like hope food, like right <laughs> on my high rise I'm like girl that apartment is small and just say that like that's what, like it's a little right. small like it's, right I don't know I just feel like it's important to really accept the beauty but also accept the flaws you know what I mm-hmm. mean and like there's flaws everywhere like there's flaws in LA yeah. there's flaws in New York like there's also mm-hmm. beauty in LA and beauty in New York you know so mm-hmm. I feel like it's just what you make of it and what you make of yes. your experience. Yes. Amen to that. I feel like there's this new trend, especially with technology, you know, as yeah. people, I feel like it's really moved the way we think about culture. You know, back right. in the day, music moved culture. So mm-hmm. you would know about something happening in New York when you heard the music and the hip hop and the type of, you know, right. pace of the city. Now you can open your phone and see what exactly a 24 year old's day living in the city looks like. Exactly. So we have these like false expectations of what these communities look like and should do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's driving out a lot of the authenticity in a lot of ways, you know, especially oh, yeah. in like the gentrified area. So of course there's like a corporate aspect to this too. It's not just the people. Right. But I love that you said like, you have to see the beauty wherever you can get it and make yeah. the most of that. Yeah. No, oh, for sure. That's so good. Cause I mean, coming from the suburbs, that's a big thing. Like I had a huge culture shock when I moved to LA yeah. and my mom, like my family, we're from like the country, honey. So we, mm grew up on the farm. I mean, it was like (laughs) a very slow pace of life. So I was not used to all the stimulus, like all of the noise. And I was just on guard for like my first year. And then you learn again, like you said, how to trust your intuition. So anyway. Right. I know you definitely learned some street smart too, because the the streets of downtown LA were very much (laughs) not. Yeah. It's not it. And it's like weird how you you can like grow this compassion for the reality of what's going on in the city, but right. also, uh-uh, he needs to get away from me. <laughs> right. No, very much that. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's just so weird. It's like where you're like, I don't know. Like I, it's just weird. Like I'm walking and I'm like, okay, like whatever. But then you see like a homeless guy that's really coming up to like, right. And you or something and you're like, yes. oh, oh, I don't want to say anything and I don't want to like cause anything. So I'm gonna just go. But yeah. Yeah. Right. It's very, it can be very scary. I mean, the the screaming and the, oh my God, it's just like, you'll hear a scream out of nowhere and you're like, um, that's what I would say like is so different in terms of New York and LA. Like I could be so wrong, but I don't know. I feel like I've seen so much more homeless in LA than New York. Yes. Like, and that's just so like concerning to me and sad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just crazy how Skid Row is even like considered a thing. Like that just seems so inhumane to me. And like Mm -hmm. insane that, that's just a part of LA. Like that's just 
uh, we're just supposed to be okay with that. Like, yeah, I think it's a huge part of California. I mean, at this point, I don't even know if it's an LA thing exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and sure. I, yeah, I just feel like it's like in San Francisco, it's horrible the mm-hmm. homelessness. And I learned in LA from different homeless shelters and things that they actually in different cities like in New York or in Chicago, there are programs that will send homeless people to LA or to California because they can survive the winters. Oh, wow. So I think that that might be part of the problem or part of the, this, what seems like a, what is the word? An industry Mm -hmm. catered to this systemic, like you said, inhumane issue. And I don't know. I want to believe that there's also just more social programs in New York. Like I think there's more of a community type of, environment. I feel like New Yorkers tend, they're painted as these like really standoffish people, but I feel like I hear a lot about community in New York versus LA and it might be the infrastructure. I always Mm -hmm. talk about the infrastructure in LA, how the roads and the, it's just awful. Like nobody can really connect because there's no like walkable place to be. No, very much. Yeah. I feel like that's totally valid in terms of like just meeting people. There's so much more of a community in New York. Like, I think it's more when we're called standoffish. Like, I think we just kind of keep to ourselves. I think that's a better way to say it because it's like, I mean, I'm not going to get in your business if I'm not in it. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's like, but I also not going to stay quiet if I feel like something's wrong. So I feel like that's kind of the, I guess where people get standoffish from where it's like, I feel like New Yorkers very much just say it how it is. And we'll just like Mm -hmm. tell you to your face or like, Yes. Call someone out when they're wrong. Cause it's like, I right. mean, girl, like we're in a place where we should be able to say our opinions and like call people mm-hmm. out when they're wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like honesty sometimes hurts, but I mean, everyone needs honesty in their life. Like, come on. Yeah. And I think that is something that very much is true to you. Like with all the BSU stuff, girl, it was politics on politics. Girl, and you were like, yeah. uh-uh, I have something to say. I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like also when I was younger, like, I was so quiet and I was scared to raise my Mm. hand. I would never speak up in class because I was afraid that people would laugh at me that I said like the wrong answer or anything Mm -hmm. like, and I don't know, I feel like after learning and really just kind of taking that jump in LA, like moving there, it was kind of like, girl, you got to get your shit together and you know who Mm -hmm. you are. And it's like, you cannot let people step on you, especially in this new state. Like mom and dad are not there to like help you or support you or anything like to like, be there for you when you're crying like you got to do it for yourself and you got to like stand up for yourself yeah when did you move to LA in 2019 October oh wow so you were what 19 18 I was like fresh 18 because I turned 18 in September yeah so fresh yeah we're both Virgos yes Virgo oh my god see yeah that makes all the sense in the world right only children (laughs) and we're Virgos oh my god Yeah. Oh my goodness though. Yeah. I, you know, one thing about LA for me that I was so grateful for is that I had a little bit of college experience before I moved because I was like at a fresh 18, I would have lost my mind. (laughs) Oh, for real. For real. I feel like definitely like, even though it's like FITM is not, I guess, kind of like the USC or kind of, you know, campus and all of that. We definitely got the college experience still in like a kind of intricate way which I really like I feel like if I went straight into like a USC environment I low-key would be so anxious yeah right and I noticed that in California so for anybody who's never been to California or like doesn't know the culture university culture in California is insane 
Like yeah. it's honestly on crack. I feel like yeah. in the South, like I went to school at James Madison University, which is like Southeast. Mm-hmm. There's a big emphasis on like social, like sociability, mm-hmm. like the frat parties. The and at USC, at Berkeley, at all of these schools, it is like grind mode. Yeah, very much. And that's what I thought. Like, I thought it was going to be like the movies, you know, very much like frats and like Mm -hmm. sororities and all of that. Because like, I didn't experience that in New York. We don't have like the big campuses like USC or something like that. You know what I mean? It's mostly just like buildings all throughout the city. So it's Mm -hmm. very much like definitely a culture shock. Just huge. Huge. And I think like I was shocked. A lot of people I met at FITM were people that lived they were from the bay area they were from parts yeah. of california where they were funneled into mm-hmm. striving for these schools you know yeah. all the ucs all of these schools and they're super expensive and it's like this right. elitist kind of mentality and when i was applying for colleges i was like i really want a good frat party to go to i want a good Please. you're like where's the good frat party that <laughs> right i was like where can i have the most fun like i think I just wasn't even focused on a lot of what I think these like highly, what is it called? Like these academic environments where there's a lot of pressure to like Mm -hmm. have certain grades and become, you know, oh, a Harvard graduate or, you know, it's just like, that's too much for me personally. No, for real. Like, I'm like, we should not have had that ingrained in us in such a young age. Like, especially Mm -hmm. like you're, you're starting in like ninth grade. Like, girl, we have like four more years. Why are you stressing right. me out about like mm-hmm. going to Harvard? Like I just remember totally saying all the time, yeah, I'm going to go to Yale. And I just think about it now and laugh because I'm like, girl, what were you going to do at Yale? Like, right. <laughs> like, please, girl. Seriously, though, like, what is it really about? <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, girl, I would probably just be very depressed there. Like, no, 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 for real. So. Okay, let's talk about, I'm assuming that your modeling journey is inter- interconnected to your creative journey. Like, yeah. did you always know you were creative? How did you, like, was there an aha moment with modeling? Yeah, so honestly, it's kind of like a deeper story. So oh, I, well, let's get into it. Yeah, so I had an eating disorder a while back when I was younger, mm-hmm. like um, a couple of year, years ago. And I feel like that was just a lot of the time where, I mean, I'm constantly thinking of my body and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I always definitely wanted to be a model, but it was more like, oh, like I need to lurk, look a certain way to be accepted when I was right. dealing with my eating disorder. And I feel like that kind of got me in a worse path, but right. getting out of it, it really kind of helped me learn why I want to model more. And that's kind of like body positivity and really just learning Mm. to love the skin that you're in because your body changes all the time. Even Mm. like if you don't notice it or you do notice it, like it always changed. So I feel like for me, it was very much like, I don't know, like I feel like I want to make a difference in the way that I am like using my career. You know what I mean? Like modeling and being like, okay, like I want to do this campaign, even though it's, I'm going to like apply, even though maybe I might not get it and I might not fit the image that they want, but I'm still going to do it because it's like, I think I can. So I feel yeah. like very much that and also just always kind of being a creative person when I was younger, like I've always used to like draw and all of that. And like, I just always wanted to express myself because I feel yes. like I couldn't express myself in like my family and like kind of like my friends and all of that. It was just so hard for me to be vulnerable and kind of just open up. So I feel like me kind of expressing that in like pictures and art and just like writing in a journal too, it's kind of a way for me to have that creative outlet and really shine in myself and have that confidence. Wow. 
Oh my gosh, that's so interesting because I mean the modeling industry is so so loaded with yeah. I mean all kinds of politics and image and mm-hmm. body typing, cast typing, you know, they're typecasting and right. I actually I watched a documentary at one point and I remember it was um showcasing like the 90s models. So this is when modeling became like superstar. Like models before that were just like people that stood around and they wore the dress, they got off stage and goodbye. Right. And then, you know, we had, what is it? The fab five and Mm -hmm. you have Naomi Campbell. And honestly, I don't know the other ones because I only like (laughs) Naomi Campbell. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, she's the only one that I focus on to be honest. Exactly. Naomi. Right. But I just feel like there was so much added during that time when modeling became this status symbol of fame. And I don't think people have an understanding of a lot of these industries where like same thing with like movie stars, like a lot of them are on strike right now because we know the movie stars that are making all this money, but you don't know all the people that are doing all the smaller roles, doing all of the gigs Mm -hmm. that really make the legs of the industry move. Right. And I feel like modeling is the same way. Yeah, And so I love to hear that you have this kind of mission and you are doing it for you because thank you. It's just amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, just so long, like even just going to my school, I was like, I used to want it to be like, look a certain way. And I'm like, girl, why do I Mm want to look like people that I do not look like at all? Like I should not be thinking that way. And I hate that I I think that way. And like that I even thought that way when I was a kid, like I just hated that I was in that kind of like stuff. But it's more well, like I now, mean, yeah. It's just a. I think that's a huge part of growing up as a black woman. Oh, by the way, sure. is just for the sure. assimilation, and that's. I mean, like I was just thinking today, growing up in high school and in these middle school, you know, suburban, predominantly white environments. I used to think that when I, mean, when I was really young, I used to want to be white, but exclusively because I wanted to be accepted. Right, and then exactly. as I right, and then as I got older, it was more about. I have to assimilate to like have a social life. Like if I want to have friends, I got to get this Lululemon and make this. Right. Right. No, for real. it's just like, that's where all of the image stuff is slowly driven in Mm -hmm. is through the colorism and the comparison and these ideas that, you know, black women are not in these roles and they in fact are, they're thriving. I think that's the benefit of living in a big city like New York or just being around, you know, black people with some money, like we need to be up, you know what I mean? No, for real. Very much like that. And also just kind of us being the example too, for like Mm -hmm. non-black people. I feel like we very much are with our hairstyle, our nails, with our lips, Mm -hmm. all of that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And I want to ask you, what is your approach energetically and like realistically when it comes to working on a set with prejudice and booking gigs and all of that stuff? Because I feel like it's a very intricate process. Yeah, honestly, it's a lot. I feel like sometimes it can really mess with your mental. Like I'm on both sides since I work for a creative agency and I do like casting sometimes for um, productions and stuff. But I think Mm -hmm. it's more like I don't know. It's very much like you constantly have to stand up for yourself and you constantly have to make it known. It's like, no, you can't mess with me. I know who I am. You can know who you are, but I know who I am. And I'm not going to let anyone kind of like step on me in that way. I don't care who anyone is. It's like Mm -hmm. we all deserve the respect to each other. So why not give it? You know what I mean? So 
I feel like for me, like when I'm accepting something and stuff too, I usually look into the brand and see like, okay, like, does this align with my values or can I benefit in this in some way in terms of like, am I giving back in some way? Or am I like giving back to a cause that I feel like is worth it with the company or something like Mm -hmm. something that actually is like very nice and not like, just like, I don't know, like a company that's just using you as like a little token or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's interesting that you have the duality of not only are you the on-camera talent, but you also understand the industry behind the scenes. You have your degree from FITM. You did digital marketing, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So you have, you must have an understanding of what the expectations and kind of a leg up in that way. I feel like they kind of expect a lot of models to not know what's going on in the industry and then get sucked into this like whirlwind. But it's cool to know that you have both sides. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting where I can kind of learn more like as a model on camera as well and then off camera, like just learning about the production side and like also just giving a platform more for like black models too. I feel like Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, sometimes I feel like when they're going to pick like a black model, they'll go with more of a light skin one or like, you know, and it's like, well, we have to give everyone a chance. You know what I mean? So I feel like kind of having that upper and being able to cast people, it's like, okay, like, I love that. Like, let's get some color in here, girl. Like, No, seriously. No, seriously. And I feel like we don't see enough black models. And I feel like because the industry is like, oh, well, we're throwing you a bone. You know, here's this light skin version of you. And that is so harmful, not only to all black women, period, you know, whatever the shade range, it's like the fact that we even are typecasted into different shade ranges should be deeply upsetting to all of us. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like we're at the end of the day, we're all black and beautiful. And it's like, why don't we all have a chance? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we should just have the same amount of recognition as the white girls do. Like, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like, why not? (laughs) For sure. Yeah, because they and this is what I want to get into as well, because I feel like a lot of when we talk about diversity, there's always Mm -hmm. this thing about hair. You know, if you look at a lot of um, like TV shows or a lot of media, it's the typical like white girl with blonde hair, a white girl with dark hair, a white girl with red hair. That's not diversity. Right. right. And so they try to pull one over on us through hair. And I don't think we people understand that I'm assuming a lot of body image, um, if it's not about the size or about a number, it's about hair. Yeah. What is your really experience is. on set with hair? I mean, tell us everything. Yeah. So honestly, I feel like it's very hit or miss. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to have people that know how to do your hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're very much not. And you're going to be sitting there like, girl, what, what's going on? Like I'm confused. I can just do it myself. I feel like for me, um, sometimes too, it's like, I I go on set with my wigs usually sometimes. And it's like, that's the easiest thing where I'll just be like, okay, it's a wig. Like, you know, it's popped. She's ready. She's good to go. Like Mm -hmm. that's it. But definitely like, I, I feel like I pay attention first. I usually won't say anything at first until I notice. I'm like, oh, girl, like this is going bad. Like, right. you know what I mean? So I feel like for me, I try to give the benefit of the doubt in terms of like, okay, let me let them start. And if it's bad, okay, let's talk. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel like there's no excuse. Like there should be more work for like black women in the industry. Girl, like we know our hair. Yes. Like we know our hair. So I'm just, it doesn't make sense to have people on set that don't know how to do everyone's hair. Right. I, I personally feel like if you don't know how to do like everyone's hair, then you're not really a hairstylist. Like mm-hmm. you need to know how to do everyone's hair on set. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that goes back to segregation in ways that yeah. we're talking about. Like there was the beauty shop 
And then there was the beauty parlor. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Where like yeah. white women go to the hairdresser and we go to the beauty shop right. and see our girl. Right. So I feel like, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming in cosmetology school, they're not working with all the different oh, hair no, types. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> oh, definitely not. I feel you like, yeah, it's more like blonde or like red and brunette, like you said before. Mm-hmm. But the same texture, you know, right. straight. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. And did you ever have a phase when you were growing up where you wanted your hair to be bone straight? Oh, my God. Literally. It was just like so it's just so weird even thinking about that when I was yeah. younger where it's like, girl, yeah. like I just wanted to very much be white. And I'm like, why? Yep. Like, girl, yep. I wanted to straighten my hair all the time. Mm-hmm. And I did do it all the time. And that damaged the fuck out of my hair. Oh. But she's better now. She's better now. Good. But- yeah, I feel like it was very much like I just felt like I needed to do that to fit in. And it's yes. like, I didn't though. Like, I'm very much fine. And it's like, I'm not even friends with those people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, who who even are they? Like, who right. Cares? Yeah. Oh, it's so difficult. I had this whole phase where I was like, oh, I just want my hair to grow out of my head straight. Like, I was right. obsessed. And what's interesting is my mom didn't start she didn't start straightening my hair because she straightened my hair. Like that's how it went down in my house. It was like, uh, and I think I was like 12. No, that's a lie. I was definitely a lot younger when I started straightening my hair, but it was very rare. Like once a year, like on my birthday or like some special occasion. And then when I got to high school, I started straightening it a lot more because I was a dancer. I was, you know, always in this kind of public eye, I guess, where we're, right. oh, we need our, you need your hair up in this kind of a bun or this kind of a ponytail. So it was just like, oh, let me just straighten it because it'd be the right. easiest thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm thankful that I didn't do it so much to the point that it damaged my hair. But again, like it's, I feel like, and you know, there's this whole thing, but for black women, it's, you know, hair is our crown. And I think that's a cute little saying. I think it's a little mm-hmm. cringe when like white people say it, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like hair for a woman or any just feminine being is so deeply connected to gender and just identity. But for black women, it's so much more complicated. It is. And I feel like our hair is constantly a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't even need to be like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's literally insane. Like, yeah. When like a white woman comes up to you on the street or something and they're like, Oh my God, like, is that your hair? It's like, Uh well, girl, like it's on my head. So I mean, yeah. Right. So it is mine. Even if yeah. it's a wig, even if right. it's a bundle, like leave me alone. Right. Like, why is that your first question to ask? Yeah. Or the touching. I used to have right. to put their hands in my curls and I was just like, okay, now it's tangled. Right. You're like, okay, thank you. Bye. Right. But we just had to accept it. Like, I remember I, I can't, I couldn't have imagined in high school telling somebody not to touch my hair. Like I that know. was just not allowed. Like they would Literally, have gotten more yeah. mad. It was like, I would have offended them. When they, they were offending me. Mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But can you share with us some recent work that you've booked? Like, yeah. is there any like projects that you're excited about talking about? Yeah, honestly, I feel like with modeling, it's so like hit or miss sometimes, especially when you're like freelance and kind of starting out or just like with a boutique agency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very like not always going to happen all the time, like book a job or something. But I feel like sure. for me, it's very much like falling in love with rejection And it's like, Mm. it's okay. Like not everything is going to be in my, you know, my favor. And that's okay because they wanted a certain look and that's okay. I'll get the next one. But Mm -hmm. in terms of some things I've been doing lately, I definitely have worked with QuickBooks. QuickBooks. Yeah. It's like a thing. And then I worked with another brand of like a celebrity, which is pretty cool. I'm excited for it to come out. 
Okay. So where can they, where can the audience follow you or see some of that work? Because I'm going to be used up. Yes. You guys can follow me on my Instagram. It's Imani Baptiste on Instagram. And I will definitely be posting about it because I just love posting and just being being authentic with (laughs) y'all. For sure. No, that'll be so cool to see because we want the brand girl. We want to see. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Let's switch into digital marketing too, because like I said, not only are you on camera, which has been something I've been interested in lately. I talked to some other creatives and in VCOM, it's this kind of thing that we're just like the behind the scenes, you know, we're kind of the brains of the concept of the shoot or mm-hmm. the, we're, we do the mood boards. We do all of the stuff behind the scenes. Right. And I like the idea of doing both, which is like, ah. it makes it seem like that's impossible, which I think no. it's not, especially yeah. with social media. So yeah. how, like, where did you did you just know it was digital marketing? Like what brought you to digital? Honestly, I started out in fashion design. Um, I just love everything about clothes and everything. And I think that's where I was like, oh, I want to do fashion design because I want to do styling and Mm -hmm. I just want to deal with clothes. But then I was like, oh girl, I got to sew. Right. That's not me. I'm not very uh, the technical portion of clothes. I'm more like, oh, that's cute. Let me buy it. So it's like kind of like that. But then I just kind of realized I was like, okay, I'm going to school, but I'm paying all this money. But what am I like going to use this degree for like fully? And something if I want to change my path, what's something that I feel like I can kind of go in different areas with it? So that's where I kind of just went with digital marketing. I talked to my advisor and he was kind of just asking me a bunch of questions on what I like to do. And like, if I like to be creative, take pictures and then he kind of suggested that. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool. Why not? Yeah, that's cool. And I like that because um, a lot of people, I did visual communications and a lot of mm-hmm. people were solely in VCOM because of the styling class, like the fashion yeah. styling. Mm-hmm. And I took fashion styling, girl, I'm like you. I, I want to buy the clothes and style myself. Right. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. style anybody else. So I have the same thing. And I think digital is cool in that sense that, I want to say it's very similar to VCOM because you're taking a lot of information Mm -hmm. and communicating it in some way digitally. So it has this kind of marketing touch. Right. And I just think with, it's just like the future right now, like everything is on a social media platform. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, also like, girl, we're just going to be on technology. I mean, we saw it in quarantine from like zoom. We did school online, like, we didn't think mm-hmm. we could do that for a minute. I really don't right. think all of us thought that. So it was no. kind of crazy how everything just kind of switched to technology and how like there are only remote jobs now. Like that's crazy. Yes. You know? No, it's it's changed the world. And I yeah. want to ask you, do you think print will have a full comeback? <sighs> it's so hard because I feel like, I mean, I'm like, girl, I want to do print magazines and stuff, like yeah. model on it. But it's like... I feel like the iconic ones will definitely still be there because it's kind of like, you know, legacy and all of that. Right. But I think definitely for upcoming new like magazines and newspapers and all of that, they may have a little bit of a struggle in terms of like selling actual copies unless it's like mm-hmm. kind of in like one of those spaces like New York. Like we have the little bodegas or like yeah. little deli set up somewhere like and you can just grab like a newspaper right there or like the newspaper boxes more along like everywhere on the street. Yeah. It's so hard though because I feel like I don't know, even just thinking about it, I was thinking about it the other day. I feel like I don't read as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And it's bad because it's like everything's just online now. Like even yes. like Amazon like books for textbook, I'd be like, oh, I need my textbook. I'll just get it online. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, what happened to that feeling the paper? Like, I feel like that's such a different experience and kind totally. of honestly gives you a different experience when reading too. Like, I'm just very much like a daydreamer. So I feel like yeah. whenever I was reading an actual book or like an actual article, like in my hand and physically, it was like, I'm there experiencing it. Or like, yeah. I'm kind of experiencing what's going on in the story, putting up the whole like venue, everything, whatever's going on. So mm-hmm. But I definitely think, yeah, it it's going to be need some work to kind of stay up there for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Whenever I talk to anybody in digital, that's their overall sentiment is digital is the way. And I think it goes back to tech as well, like yeah. the billion dollar, probably trillion dollar industry that is tech mm-hmm. and this concept that they're just like mining for our attention. Like there's, oh, yeah. there's no more natural resources left. Right. You know, they need our attention. And I kind of think that, our generation is going to get sick of it. You I know, we so grew too. up with it. We grew up with technology very slowly. And now that it's in this overwhelm, I think we're going to be the generation to be like, "Ugh, where is the magazine? Like, where is the physical book? Mm-hmm. Because I think, look, think about little kids. I mean, they're growing up with the iPad. Right. No, so that's they're, crazy to me. That's it's so crazy to wild, me. wild. And parents, I hear all the time, are like, I don't know how she got to the internet. I, I put the YouTube, like, do you not understand right. genetically at this point? They no, can just navigate things. Like there's no issues with like technological literacy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what scares me. Oh, for sure. And it's like technology is so powerful. Like I've seen those movies where it's like they're taking over, robots taking over. And I'm like, okay, but mm-hmm. why I actually think that can happen though? Because I feel like I really can. So <laughs> yeah. no, seriously. I mean, I think with AI and all of these different I mean, all of these yeah. things impact digital marketing. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. Like I, at my job right now, I do a lot of graphics and yeah. um, they have this new AI policy that basically they didn't want sensitive information into this AI, like chat GPT thing. Okay, so they had yeah. to find this thing. And w- in this meeting, I was like, oh yeah, speaking of AI, I put our logo in it and I found this cool thing. And they were like, um, did you sign the policy? And I was like, oh, um, <laughs> please. <laughs> I was like, sorry. (laughs) But for graphics and for any kind of like digital creation, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, the software I think is going to be a big part of like Adobe and all of those big design services. Oh, for sure. For sure. So uh, it's just so crazy. I don't know. I want to work for publication. I think that's my one of my next things. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I'm like, I want to send things to print and like actually touch them, which may just be the creative in me, you know? Mm -hmm. No, for sure. But we love that though. Yeah. So I like a a world where they could just coexist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's like, we should have that where it's like, Mm -hmm. girl, okay, we have our technology, but we also have like our real stuff. Right. For sure. And I feel like there is a different sense of urgency when it's being printed, you know, like you have to actually get the typos together. You have to actually make sure that everything like creatively that your design is concise because when you print out a slide deck, it looks a lot different on a 2D piece of paper than on like the big screen. Yeah. So I think it's cool for any designer to learn the aspects of the, the physical print because it will totally change the way you design. Exactly. Very much. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Well, one last question. Yeah. Where will we see you in three to five years? Oh my God. Well, 
I'm thinking very much I will be signed by this time. I will be Mm -hmm. modeling full time. That will be my main job as well as acting, I'm hoping. But honestly, I feel like that's my main thing career wise in terms of emotionally. I just feel like I definitely will be more happier in myself and more in tune with my emotions and also just very at a point where I feel completely independent in myself as a person and also just emotionally. Like I feel like there's going to be so much emotional growth and that's really what I'm excited for. Yes. Same here. I was just talking to my therapist about that today. I was like, it is so hard to feel independent and like emotionally even when we are barely can afford rent. I mean, it's just like, oh my God, the world for us is like not what our parents think it is. Like I've had to tell my mom, no mom, like it's not like I can go to work at Red Lobster. Mom worked at Red Lobster when she was my age Mm -hmm. and could afford an apartment. Right. You're like, no, I need an extra like job on top of that. Yeah. I'm like, that's not even like feasible anymore. Yeah. So no. it's just crazy. It is. What a uh, world. <laughs> no, really. What a world. But I'm so excited. I, I know you'll be signed. What is your dream agency? Like if you could be signed with anybody, who is it? Honestly, I feel like Storm or Next. Those are my really? top two. Okay. I feel like I've seen so much more like diversity in their models mm-hmm. that they're pitching and like the campaigns that I see on their Instagram, like, oh, this person did this campaign. Um, it just makes me happy that I'm seeing yeah. a lot of girls that look like me yes. in those agencies. So I feel like those are definitely my top two. Yes, that's amazing. I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I actually applied to an agency like, oh my gosh, way Period. back in my freshman year of um of college. <laughs> Period, girl. As you said, yeah. I was like, because everybody, I feel like when you're tall, it's just this assumption that you should be on the big screen. Oh, go. You it's know, you're tall, you should be on NBA. Yeah. Yes. And so, which, I, I mean, the politics of runway are just this whole separate thing. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. I applied to this agency and they were like, oh, if you pay $4,000, we'll actually, and I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. No <laughs> and this was a, Yeah. This was a reputable agency too. So they must just have people that are funding the business, really. No, that very much. Cool. There's a lot of scams in the modeling industry. It's kind of scary, mm-hmm. like with agencies and all of that. But I think definitely just kind of doing your research is super important. For sure. Yeah. And trusting your intuition. Yes. Trusting your intuition for sure. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I, I know you'll be there. I, I can't you. wait, honestly. I can't Aww. wait. Oh, girl, I knew her. Girl, at least know her. Out, you know, yeah, know her. Right. <laughs> right. Not new. <laughs> right. We're still going to be, you know. Come on. Right. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. This is so great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm loving this. I'm loving your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Actually, hold on a second. One more quick question. Okay, sure. <laughs> what is your favorite color right now? I forgot to ask you that. My favorite color? Yes. Oh my God, purple. It's been purple for such a long time, but it's funny because I literally don't own really that much purple, but yeah. yeah. But it's your spirit color. It is. Yeah. I just love purple. It makes me feel very calm. Yes. I was a pink girl growing up. I feel like girls were either pink or purple. Yeah, very much. Pink or purple or like sometimes red, but very much depends. Yes. Yes. So that's awesome. I like to ask because I feel like it's good. Just involve color. That's my podcast is about shades of brilliance. That's interesting. Yeah. Purple is all about royalty and it was this rare color. So I'm not shocked that you like purple. Thank you. You know, we <laughs> All right, you guys, that's Amani. I am so 
glad that she came on because she's just great. Guys, please go follow her Instagram because she's always doing this really cool like niche stuff with modeling and just her imagery, her editorial taste. I feel like it's just really cool. Her at is Amani Baptiste. So it's really simple, B-A-P-T-I-S-T-E. And she just, like I said, I'm just so proud of her for taking the intention to make modeling what she wants it to be. I think in a lot of these industries, like with acting and with modeling and a lot of these subjective kind of creative art forms, it is so easy to get swept up and try to be what everybody else is making you to be. But this is reality. I mean, this is real. She loves what she does. She is changing her perception on who she has to be. She just is being herself. And that's where the success comes from. It's not these overnight big models like Kendall Jenner and Gigi Hadid, like they were in slotted into the places that they were. These are the real people that are building real lives. And I feel like she just is so cool. I cannot wait to see what her next campaign she's involved in. Because like I said, every time I look at her, I'm like, oh my God, she's on this campaign. She's, you know, or even just a cool shoot. Like she's always doing this really cool, really high editorial, like creative shoots. So she's just really cool. And anyways, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I will see you next Friday for the next episode. I post every Friday and yeah, bye-bye.